This is Ed Cohen, editor of Global HR News and your broadcast host today on Global HR Radio Talk Show, coming to you today from San Diego, California and New Jersey. Our special guest is Fiona Sitkin. She's an author, well-known expert on international business, intercultural relations, and that's, of course, how it relates to global business and mobile talent. So originally from the Ukraine, Dr. Fiona Sitkin came to America as a Fulbright Scholar studying languages and cultures at the Kent State University, of course, in Ohio. Fiona has published books on language translation and cultural diversity, and her newest book is How They Made It in America. It describes original success stories of 18 prominent multicultural women. Let's welcome Dr. Fiona Sitkin. Thank you so much, Ed. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So what part of Ukraine are you from? I am originally from Western Ukraine called Transcarpathia. It borders Slovakia and Hungary. So how they made it in America, success stories and strategies of immigrant women from Isabel Allende to Ivana Trump to fashion designer Josina Tori and many more. So how they made it in America. How long did it take you from start to publishing? How long was that transition? It was a long time in the making, a long, long time. I finished a book in three years because it was a lot of research. I actually interviewed close to 100 women when writing blogs for the Huffington Post and then thought it would be good to put it all in a book. And I selected 18 women to be profiled in the book, wrote a book, and then found an agent. And then in the publishing house, it took close to two years to actually come out as a book. When you were sourcing publishers, what was your initial experience? What was the response by the New York publishers? It was different. Some said we are not interested in immigrants, period. The others said we would be interested in immigrants if you kick out this woman, say Ivana Trump. The others wanted to kick out some other women, but I said no. I want diversity. I want diverse women, immigrants on purpose to show how bright and capable they all are. So I just walked away and went to another publisher and to another until I found one who wanted all of them. Did you have a a representative or did you just knock on doors walking up to Random House or Simon & Schuster or others? Uh, First, I really went from door to door, and that was a horrible experience, although one prominent publisher uh, got back to me immediately. The editor-in-chief himself wrote to me, we need your book. It's a very interesting book, and it's good that you have in mind several books to write on this topic. Just change this, and then... I changed that, and then there was a long silence. Then 
changed that. I changed that anyway. It lasted so long, so long that I finally got myself an agent. And she did deal with a publisher, and finally the book came out. Oh, well, that's great. So the agent was experienced in dealing with these people, and she told you that it was okay the way things were, subject to some edits, of course, but uh, then she took over from there, right? Yes. Okay, and so once you had that successful relationship with a literary agent, you were just free to move on and continue your editing and writing. Is that correct? Yes, it is correct. Now, in summary, before we go deeper, describe to me the most important thing, in your opinion, that she told you that made the biggest difference in the preparation for publishing, from your view. From my point of view, she made a crucial remark to me. She said, before we turn in anything for a major publisher, we need an experienced editor to look it through. And she found me that editor, a former senior editor with a major, major publisher. And that editor really prepped the whole manuscript for the publisher, after which everything went smoothly. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, it's like you had an angel on your shoulder. Indeed. I'm very, very grateful to my agent. And she is determined to have my book translated into different languages, too. Oh, that's great. Now, what is the significance of the book? Once again, the title is How They Made It in America, Success Stories and Strategies of Immigrant Women, from Isabel Allende to Ivana Trump to fashion designer Josie Natori and many more. How They Made It in America, Success Stories and Strategies of Immigrant Women. What is the significance of the book for the global HR industry? I should say that I deal with global HR on a vendor side for over 25 years. And I know from experience that my book, How They Made It in America, is exactly what they need, both human resources professionals and human capital per se. And the reasons for the significance threefold. Reason one is that expatriates and all foreign-born employees face the same issues. A, culture shock, and B, the need to prove their worth in the new global environment. For example, Isabella Yander, a famous writer from Chile, was an immigrant twice. And she had two different culture shocks and had to prove herself in different ways, first in Venezuela and then in the U.S. And human resources need to know about that. The reason, too, is that my book features diverse women. A career expatriate from Ericsson, Maya Strela Migotti, originally from Croatia, trailing expat spouse Reagan Moya-Jones from Australia, a global SVP of diversity, Rahini Anand, originally from India, works at Sodesco company with half a million employees in 80 countries. So intentionally profiling diverse women, I give readers the choice of 18 role models for success in the U.S. 
and human resources need to know how this makes their job easier. And probably the last but not the least reason three is that the book suggests seven success values, the how-to strategies that need to be instilled, that is trained and coached in mentalities of the employees exposed to different cultures. The significance of this book, How They Made It in America, for global HR, which means corporate, human resources, senior level management, as well as lower level corporate managers of the mobility process, as well as many, many services around the world who deal with people who are on the move. So this is all about building global mindset, isn't it? Right. Right, you are. Exactly. And global mindset doesn't come out of the blue. You need to work on that. You need to work continuously on that. Like It's like bodybuilding. You cannot build your muscles just watching Arnold Schwarzenegger train. You need to work on that. And HR and employees all need to work on that. So now this book features women, career people. So first of all, let's talk about the career expatriate from Ericsson, Maya. So what did she do? What was her job when she was relocated? She was a career expatriate originally from Croatia, and she was a a career expatriate in Spain, in Australia, and then in Sweden. And then she was sent to California, by the way, when Ericsson bought two more companies. She had a daunting task to bring the three companies together. Everybody hates you when you do this kind of merger, but she was wide enough to bring the companies together and raise productivity and performance, raise creativity in her special ways. And what was her title? She was SVP of Ericsson for America. Was she an HR exec or more of a someone who rose through the ranks and she's doing a lot of things administratively? Yes, she did rise through the ranks even before she was sent to America. They knew that she could do it, that she could do difficult stuff. She could relate to people of different types. Right. And she started bringing women engineers to the top. She started Uh with groups even within her company. She wanted more women engineers. Okay, now let's go to the next one. A trailing expat spouse, Reagan Moyer-Jones from Australia. So she was not a worker bee. She was a spouse, a trailing spouse. Yeah, she came as a spouse and she didn't need money to go to work, but she wanted to go and work. So she started working at The Economist out of all places. You know, The Economist, the famous newspaper and magazine. And then when trying to buy things for her first baby, she couldn't find certain things that they always use in Australia, a muslin blanket. And Uh it was Uh nowhere to be found. She started the company producing muslin things for the babies. The company is called Aiden and Anais. 
and became it became a global company with multi-million dollar income even miss middleton of britain bought stuff for her babies from aiden and danais she became a global company however when the company went public because she needed money to expand you know reagan moya jones a brilliant executive was outed of the company by the company board they differed on the future of how the company had to develop you know this is a rich topic how the boards in our time can get rid of the chief executive and founder of the company she's a serial entrepreneur yeah well that's cool very cool to know very- that so the uh, the third one that uh, you focus on is a global senior VP of diversity, Rohini, originally from India, with I guess the food service business called Sodexo. Right. So she was recruited from India to come to the U.S. Is that correct? No, she came to the U.S. to further her studies. He wanted to do masters and PhD in America. So she came. She was you know, working on on her thesis. She defended her PhD. She married also a fellow Indian. And then they decided to go back to India, lived there for three years and saw that they changed in the U.S. so much that their mentality became American. So they moved back to America. And it was then when she was recruited by Sodexo and went up in the ranks becoming SVP of global diversity. A great lady. She changed the culture of the huge company to the better. Wow, that's fascinating. I look forward to reading this. So the book suggests how-to strategies that need to be instilled in the employees who are exposed to diverse cultures. So this is geared for people who work in companies. The book is geared for how to think about things. Isn't that correct? Yes, I called it, I invented a term for that, seven success values, you know, to to make it stand out. The word strategy is now a banality. Everybody and his mother are talking about strategies. And I'm talking about seven success values, how to build in yourself the capability for success in the U.S. Now I need to ask you, tell us number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Could you please do that? The number one, I believe, is character building. And what does that mean? Character building is number one because it worked for me and I saw how it worked for others. Character building is the essence of self-building. It's building your resilience, and it needs continuing work. The desire, just a simple desire to be on top, is not enough. You need grit. You need grit and desire to put yourself in challenging situations willingly and overcome difficulties. This is how you build your character, working against all odds. Just as you cannot build muscle just watching Arnold Schwarzenegger train, you need to work on yourself. 
There is no elevator to success. You need to take the stairs. And the case studies on different women tell you how. This is brilliant. Okay, what is number two? The number two is American mindset. Okay, and what does that mean? It means integrating into the mainstream American culture, which is not assimilation. Okay, now let's talk about understanding what that means simply integrating into American culture. That means understanding that there's a lot of cultures in America and that there's a a lot of people, a lot of mixture, like a salad bowl. And so that means appreciating the differences, right? And then using that as, as a strength, correct? Yes, it is a big strength. It is a big strength. But uh, immigrants prefer to be in a salad bowl instead of a melting pot, I should say. Yes. Now let's go on to the next category. Emotional intelligence. And what does that mean? It means you should understand who you speak with and how you should speak with this or that person. You do Uh not tell the same message the same way to different people. You need to have a feeling of who you are talking and what they are doing and how they are doing it so you could fit in. Yes. Now, can you give us an example of understanding that? Do you just watch American movies and TV shows to understand things? I mean, how do you, how do you learn that as a person new to America? It is not enough just to watch. It is absolutely not enough just to watch. I can give you the example of the culture as a liability, as an asset. It is at the same time a liability and an asset. And it helps you, for example, being a workaholic uh, ran in Isabella Leander's family. It was her culture to be hardworking, to be a workaholic. but. In her first country of immigration, Venezuela, she found that Venezuela is a hedonistic society and she felt like an alien there. When in the second country of immigration, the United States, her hardworking ethic turned into an asset. So a liability in one culture is an asset in the other culture. You know what I'm saying? This is emotional intelligence. You need to know which side to turn. Yes, okay. So what do you mean by hedonistic society? They love to enjoy life, you know? They love to enjoy life. It's a Greek word, and hedonists are those who try to enjoy life 100%, to the utmost. Americans living to work, while at a more hedonistic society, you know, they work to live and enjoy life. It's in a way an opposite of the American culture. Uh Uh-huh. So, therefore, people who have that approach are not necessarily only from Venezuela, for instance. Oh, no, no. But it was Isabella Leander's observation 
And she lived in many, many different countries in the world. Her second husband of her mother was a diplomat. So they were in Europe. They were traveling in different Latin American cultures. She was able to compare. And her belief was that Venezuela is more hedonistic than other countries. So what do you think about the current political situation in Venezuela? Is that because they're all hedonists? You know what? I don't think they're very happy now. And I believe in their current situation, they or not many people do enjoy life. Too many problems. Okay, so what is now? Let's go to number four category. The number four category is communication skills. Um, Creativity. Now, creativity is most important. Creativity is way higher in the people who possess double vision of the world. And it is the research in psychology who has shown that most creative people are the immigrants. They have this double vision. Then there are gays and lesbians and also people who were challenged or very sick when children. So these three types of people develop creativity and have higher levels of creativity than the others. That's science, you know, and I also continued this thought and wrote a blog on the Huffington Post, the business case for immigrant creativity. So let me ask you to go back for a minute when you say a double vision. What is double vision? Double vision, you know, you have two cultures and two cultures give you naturally two different ways to look at different things. You can look at the things this American way, you can look at the thing the French way. So you can navigate it and this double vision gives you an ability to whip up more business solutions. This is why HR need to remember that multicultural teams, because of their natural creativity, can be more productive. Okay, let's go to the next category. Next category is strategic thinking. Okay. And what does that mean? Well, strategic thinking is, I believe, a very general term, and still I use it because you need to always be able to step back and look at the big picture, to put it simply. And immigrants do need this strategic thinking when they are planning, say, to start their new business. To be entrepreneurial, you need strategic thinking. At the same time, you need to know the situation very well. So at the same time, you need to go deep and you need to step back and look at the general picture. That's it. So let's talk about for an immigrant to look at the general picture. What does that mean, general picture, for an immigrant? It means that they can build their business very successfully. Let me give you an example One of my book subjects is an immigrant from Ethiopia. She came when she was 11 to Boston, where her mother was waitressing and was also a seamstress. Her name is Elsa Demelash. She struggled with the cultures, 
However, she was able to get a grant and go to Harvard, graduated from Harvard, and it is because of her strategic thinking and, of course, high level of, of her brain, you know, her creativity. She co-started the business called Raising Tight Capital, the social entrepreneurship, that's how she called it. Now, the idea was, and you appreciate it, I'm sure, to get funding for micro-businesses plus provide training for these mom-and-pop shops to teach them how to start, market, and run the business. In fact, she massively lifted many, many people in Jersey City, New Jersey, from poverty to normal thing. Wow. Her strategic thinking is just wonderful. I admire her very much. And the strategic thinking means how to do things long term. Right. Yes. Okay, good. A special good. Okay. way how to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the not strategic thinking, in other words, more day-to-day, that uh-huh. has more to do with, okay, well, how do we pay the bill today? How do right. we get more revenue today? And then strategic thinking is, well, maybe I need to make my product different somehow, do something right. different. And, right. Is that correct? Right. Right. You're, you're okay. totally right. Okay, now let's go on to the next category, please. The next category is inclusive leadership. Yeah. I wrote a book called Transformational Diversity. It's all about inclusive leadership. It's about inclusive cultures and inclusive leadership, and American companies can move nowhere without it. That's my persuasion and conviction, if you wish. Now, what does that mean? That means that they must have more diversity. Is that correct? They must have more diversity and they must allow others to act differently according to their cultures. They must be more inclusive. Inclusivity is the key. You know, a lot of bad things happening in our country are because not too many people are inclusive enough. Live and let live. That's it. Oh, let's say fair. Yes. Okay, so what is next? What's the next category? And of the, the, the last but not the least is perseverance. Absolutely necessary. Well, for all people, but especially for immigrants and especially for the immigrant women who are in many ways at the bottom of society. And I would like to give you an example. Yes. Um, An 18-year-old Mexican girl from Mexico City crossed the U.S. border illegally and went to L.A. where her mother lived. Her mother had four children and her husband divorced her. And this young lady lived in a neighborhood where nobody spoke English. She learned the language. She went to college. She did master's. She did PhD, and not in anything, but in sociology. In sociology, where you really need language skills, you know, it's not computer programming. You sit and write the code. 
she may she did and defended PhD in sociology, and she is now an associate professor of one of the best colleges in this country, Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania. And of course, on the way, she became legal in the US. But I always think of her when they ask me about perseverance, because what is success in the US? When you start really from scratch, and you're able to go up. And I measure success in the book. I provide a success scale, American success scale. And your success is measured on the distance that you had to cover. Okay? When you started somewhere very high, very rich, very privileged, and you became successful, fine, kudos to you. But when you started very low and ended up very high, you know, went up in life. Now, this is what we appreciate the most, right? Yes. I want to ask you a couple of side questions now. Let's go back to your background, Dr. Fiona Sitkin. You're uh, originally uh -huh. from Ukraine, and you came to America as a Fulbright scholar studying languages and cultures at Kent State University in Ohio. What is a Fulbright scholar? There is the whole Fulbright Commission, you know, it's a government commission founded by uh, Senator Fulbright years ago, and they are inviting the most gifted scholars and scientists to the United States to learn something here, and they go and give back to their countries. Or some Americans are sent overseas to some best colleges who are hosting them. They work, study there, and then come back to America and share this. In fact, it is the exchange program and the most prestigious in the world because it is very, very selective. Thank I was you. in the first group of Fulbrighters who came from Ukraine to the United States. I'm very proud of it. Well, very happy to have you, of course. Now, Dr. Fiona Sitkin has published books on language translation and also cultural diversity prior to her new book, How They Made It in America, which, again, describes original success stories of 18 prominent multicultural women deriving the commandments, case studies, and tips. This is a great service that you are performing, and I'm really honored to have you as our guest today on Global HR Talk Radio. So, Dr. Fiona Sitkin, I need to ask you very, very briefly how and why, in your opinion, should we nurture more global women leaders? think it is our moral duty and it is also a necessity for our country to nurture more global women leaders. Why? Because women are a special diversity demographic facing quadruple jeopardy. And as an example, I once wrote a blog for the HuffPost, being an immigrant woman, the case of Ivana Trump, where I showed that even though Ivana married a very rich American and, so to speak, came to the United States 
from Canada, originally she is from Czechoslovakia, came to the United States on a white horse, you know, as a winner. She had the same troubles, the same jeopardies as every other immigrant woman. And these jeopardies are, well, being a woman is a jeopardy, is a challenge, because it means you are being gender stereotype. You enjoy, so to speak, the glass ceiling. You are looked down upon as an immigrant. You struggle with culture challenges and you have an accent for life because you learned a new language after puberty. So, you know, your local cords are not flexible enough to speak without an accent. And then you are a mother, so it means more homework for you. We need to help, help more, help as much as we can, the immigrant women, because many of them are so, so many talented. And, of course, women's success stories are super inspirational. I gave 18 profiles of women featured in the book. So not only celebrities, but really role models need today to be the examples. And these role models are needed more than ever. I would love HR to make note of it and invite me for giving a talk to the people in their companies and organizations. It will be my pleasure. Well, it's my pleasure to have you as a guest on Global HR Radio Talk Show. I thank you very much. Once again, Dr. Fiona Sitkin, how can people reach you? I have a website, a book website, www.fionasitkinoneword.com, fionasitkinoneword.com, or email, of course, fiona, F-I-O-N-A dot C-I-T like Tom, K-I-N, at gmail.com. That's very simple. Also, please go to Amazon or to your favorite Barnes & Noble store. And how they made it in America can be bought and gifted. It will be a wonderful gift to those you love and want to get up in life. Thank you so very much. Thank you for being our guest today. This is Ed Cohen signing off from San Diego, and that was Fiona Sitkin. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful day.